Good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Uh, today, I'm very pleased and honored to have with me as my guest a legendary author, Scott Turo, author of a book that probably every law school student has read, One L, and numerous other fiction books. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. So let me start by asking about One L, since I, like, as I said, probably every law student I know uh, has read that book. What how did that book come about? And uh, tell me a little bit about how that idea even came to you to write about your first year at Harvard Law School. The book is was really a product uh, of accident. Uh, I was uh, a lecturer in the English department at Stanford at that time, um, thinking about making a career as a creative writing professor. And uh, I decided that wasn't for me and that I was going to go to law school. Uh, But I had a literary agent by then, and I was too embarrassed uh, to tell her that uh, I was going to law school after all of her efforts to promote my literary career without offering her some kind of sop. And so I mentioned in my letter uh, to her announcing this decision that I had not been able to find a good nonfiction book uh, about um, what it was like to be a law student day by day. And, you know, there were books by professors. There were, you know, highly fictionalized accounts of a law student's life, but nothing that had been published that was, was nonfiction and sort of day by day. So I offered this observation. I was more or less suggesting to her that she find a young nonfiction writer uh, to do this, and I thought no more about it. She happened to show my letter to an editor uh, in New York, a man named Ned Chase, and uh, Ned loved the idea and bought the book on the spot, and uh, a contract arrived in the mail uh, in San Francisco, where I was then living while teaching at Stanford. And there, it came with no phone call, uh, no, no warning. I just went to my mailbox outside uh, my flat in San Francisco and, you know, this big fat envelope from my agent, which was unusual because I was accustomed to getting little envelopes with rejection letters in them. And the uh, there there was this contract to write one L. Was that book also the basis for that movie, The Paper Chase? It was not. Uh, the The basis for the movie, The Paper Chase, was a novel by a man named Osborne, who had written it uh, not long after he graduated um, from from Harvard Law School. Now, were you surprised at how well the book did and? Uh... And I guess it's held up pretty well, even till today, even though law school has changed a lot since when you wrote it. Yeah. Um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about why the book uh, held up so well. You know, and the book, as you say, has has held up really well. Uh, you know, Penguin is about to release uh, yet another new edition of the book uh, here in 2016, 2017, I'm sorry, it'll be 40 years in September since the book was published. And, 
you know, I spent a lot of time saying, well, why is the book still of interest? And I think the answer is because professional education uh, and law school in particular uh, forces a change of identity on students that all of them find somewhat painful. And that core experience is pretty faithfully represented in 1L. That's my answer. Now, tell me a little bit about how, obviously, you went from that very successful book to obviously being perhaps even a more successful fiction writer. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that uh, happened, how that transition happened. Well, my ambition always, from the time I was 12 or 13 years old, was to be a novelist. And that, you know, I went to college and then, as I said, became a writing fellow at Stanford. And, uh, you know, I had published or tried to publish probably four separate um, books, novels, uh, for the most part, although there was a novella and a book of stories along the way. And none of them found any success. But when I went to law school, I had promised myself that I was going to continue to try to write fiction. And my plan was to steal the time to write one good short story um, every year. And despite the success of 1L, um, what I wanted to be was a novelist. You know, that was really largely the lesson of my uh, mentor and teacher at Stanford, you know, the great American novelist Wallace Stegner, who said, you know, you got to write every day. So I tried to do it. Uh, and pretty soon I was at work on this novel about uh, a prosecutor investigating the murder of uh, his former colleague in the prosecutor's office with whom he secretly had had an affair. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, of course, is the book that, you know, seven years later became came known as presumed innocent. Now, obviously, you've written, obviously, all your legal books or your fiction books are all different stories, but is there kind of any, you know, overarching themes or, or, or themes that run through the books, or, you know, how do you sort of characterize the, the fictions that you've written? I, I think thematically, uh, as, as I look at it again, and, you know, I'm not sure you can ever fully trust a novelist um, to know exactly what he or she is writing about. But um, as I understand it, there are a couple of great themes. Um, One is about the failures of the law. And I think overall, I view and characterize the law as a noble institution uh, but one that is constantly uh, betrayed by the human failings of the participants in the process. Uh, so that's theme number one. And even stepping back and going to a uh, higher level of analysis, I would say that my books are about power about the uses and abuses of power. Well, tell me a little about your most recent book. I guess it just, it just came out, Testimony. Tell me a little about that book. Testimony is, um, starts, as all my books do, in the fictional Kendall County, um, which admittedly is a, has pretty fair resemblance to Chicago. 
But a prosecutor from Kendall County, Bill Tenboom, who's been the U.S. attorney about 14 years before as the book opens, gets an opportunity to go to the International Criminal Court at The Hague to investigate an alleged massacre of 400 gypsies uh, that took place in Bosnia during the end of the uh, U.S. peacekeeping mission there. And Tenboom is at one of those points in his life where he, for reasons that he doesn't fully understand as the book opens, sort of turned over everything in his life, trying to feel more at home and at peace with himself. So he's left his marriage, and then he leaves uh, his law firm and the law, and finally he gets this opportunity to go to The Hague, so he leaves his country. And uh, the novel traces both the investigation of this massacre, which takes Ten Boom across Europe and back and forth to the United States, uh, Washington and Kendall County and Kentucky and uh, and Bosnia and Holland, uh, and also the personal journey that he's on to try to figure out what has made him uh, so ill at ease with himself. Well, that does sound pretty exciting. How do you compare this most recent book with the other books you've written in the past? Is it was there something different that was about this book or something more challenging about writing this particular book? Uh, the only challenge, um, I, I think, to be honest, that you know, the only thing that's different is that um, more of the book takes place in Europe. Um, it's it's a it's a book about a lawyer who is investigating a crime, and the crime is obviously more monstrous, killing 400 people at one time. But it's very much in the line of what one of the characters says to Bill at the beginning of the book. Oh, you know, evidence is evidence, um, and it's an it's a book about an investigation of a crime. The um, what was different for me was that usually if I'm writing about a federal criminal investigation, I've spent my whole life in that milieu, and I don't have to do a lot of research. Obviously, I didn't know very much about the International Criminal Court in The Hague, uh, so I had to both um, read a lot about it. Uh, I spent time there. I made uh, two separate trips to Holland. And uh, the setting in Bosnia, of course, I knew nothing about that and, you know, spent time in Bosnia as well. Um, I learned an awful lot writing the book. Um, The third thing, of course, I needed to find out about were the Roma gypsies um, and a community that I knew something about because I'd always been curious about them. Uh, But not even close to what I've learned subsequently. So a lot of research is the, was the main difference for me. And the amount of research, usually my books come every three years, and this one uh, ended up, uh, you know, falling a little behind schedule. Well, Scott, this has been a fascinating conversation. It was a real privilege to talk to such a legendary author. And uh, congratulations on your latest book. And when you do come up with your next book, which I'm sure you will, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. 
All right. Back, back on Shoe Untied. Richard, thank you very, very much. I appreciate your time. All right. This is Richard Shoe and Scott Turow. Thanks. Thanks.